time I feel any kind of fear, then that's not faith. What is faith and what is hope? And how do they pan out in our daily lives? Today, we are going to be joined by Alex Boyer and discussing how his faith and his hope have impacted on his life and his career, despite major challenges. My name is Charlie Burridge-Jones and you are listening to Hope Helps. Today's guest, Alex Boyer, is a singer and dancer originally from London. After completing his mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Boyer became a backup dancer performing with some of the biggest names. He went on to be the lead singer of the very successful boy band Awesome, selling over half a million albums, and also saw them performing alongside artists such as Simon and Garfunkel, MC Hammer, NSYNC, and many others. Alex went on to pursue a career as a solo artist, performing at the Royal Albert Hall, as well as on the stages of America's Got Talent and with the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square. He now lives in Utah with his wife and eight children. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, Charlie, so honoured to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. No, it's so great to have you on the show. I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be very familiar with yourself and your work. So tell us, how did you end up in Utah? While I was in England, I was in a boy band for almost 10 years. And I felt like I was in a man band now. It wasn't a boy band anymore. You know, we all had beards and deep voices, you know. But in all honesty, I just wanted to do music that was more inspirational. I had a phone call from a group. It was a music festival trying to find musicians who had some kind of faith, but who were doing music out there in the world, so to speak. And so they called me and they said, hey, would you like to bring your band over to come and perform in, in America, in Utah? And I was like, yes, but there's only one thing. I'm, I'm not in the band anymore. I left. I was like, oh, well, can you come? And I was like, yeah. And they paid for everything. And I was like, oh, this is great. Come on now. It's like an answer to prayers. And I remember just getting there when I turned up there. I just had this just really strong feeling that I was home, even though I'd never been there before. I'd never been there yet. So um, that's how I ended up there. And I, I knew that this is where I wanted to be. I wanted to continue my music, inspirational music from where I was at. You've openly spoken a lot about your Christian faith and belief. And, and I wanted to ask if that's a journey that you went on to find or if it's something that you've always had. I think it's both because I'm still finding it. It's a journey at the same time. I feel like I've found it every year. It seems like I've found it more and more and it seems more solidified, but it's still that journey always a journey. So I'm trying to appreciate and enjoy that more than trying to get to this place where I say, oh, I have faith or if I get to this point, then I've got it. Or if I, this, if I can accomplish this, then I've got the faith. It's something that you can never really catch. It's something that you always be chasing. And I've noticed at the times when I've given up or times when it's been really hard for me was when I thought that I had the faith and that it was always going to be there for me. It's just like asking someone to water your plant, right? You go on vacation. Can you water my plant? And they say, yeah. And it comes back and the thing's dead. <laughs> and you're like, oh, asked you water my plant. This is what I did. I did. I, how many times? Well, once. Well, you didn't ask me how many times I was supposed to water it. You just told me water it, right? It's supposed to be a regular daily event. Once you stop chasing that, then it dies. How do you strengthen your faith? What has worked for me is knowing that anytime I feel any kind of fear, then that's not faith. 
I'm like, okay, I got to get back to it. I got to get back and get that faith again where I feel confident. Where look, I'm not perfect or anything like that, but I feel good. I feel ready to move on to the next chapter. And, you know, it's almost like uh, be so confident in God's plan that you don't even get upset when things don't go your way. Oh, wow. That is something I know that there's times when I've been really upset about stuff that's happened. And then I've had experiences where there's stuff that I should really be upset about. And even my wife is like, you should be livid at the, what this happened. And I'm like, you know what, honey, I actually don't. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Ooh. And you know, you have done that moment where you're like, oh man, please let me keep having this. You know what I mean? Because this is still a chase. You're still chasing it, but it's a good chase for me. When I was a missionary, I always used to say, we're trying to help people get off smoking, you know? And we had this non-smoking program, which really seemed to work really well. We always told them right at the beginning, we'll say, from now on, you're a non-smoker. All of a sudden, they look at it differently. Like, wait, hold on, what do you mean? At this day, you don't have a cigarette in your mouth right now. So consider yourself a non-smoker. It had a different perspective for them. And it was kind of easier to get back onto that track that said, oh, yeah, okay. You brought up your mission. Am I right in hearing that that's where you first started performing? Yeah, that's where I first started performing inspirational music. Before I left as a missionary, I paid my way for my mission performing in nightclubs in London. I had a group called A Cut Above. There was three of us. Two was were rappers and amazing dancers, and I was the singer. So I'd sing the choruses, and they'd do the raps, the first verse, second verse. So anyway, we just started traveling. We're doing it for a joke and just having fun. And then we started like actually making some money. And so I remember the time when I finally got the money, and I said, hey, guys, I'm going. They're like, what? Are you crazy? This was two weeks before I was supposed to turn up at the missionary training center. And our last performance and the three guys and the producers and the manager came up to me and says, look, you know that missionary thing you said you were going to do? I was like, yeah. Said, well, I don't think you're going to want to do it when we tell you what happened. I'm like, okay, spill the beans. And they opened up the door to the green room. So you see those two guys there at the bar? I said, yeah. He says, that's MC Hammer's manager. And he's just approached us and they want to sign you to a management deal and they want you to open up for MC Hammer. I was going crazy. I was like, why are you kidding me? We can get out of the hood. Why? You know what I mean? All of a sudden I started slowing down and I was like, wait a minute. I said, guys, I can't do this. And I'm like, why? What? What? I was like, I told you I was going to be a missionary. I told you I was going to do this for two years and everything. So like, we didn't know you were going to do it now that you know this. Come on, get off your spiritual high horse and come on, get back down to earth and let's go do this, man. You know what I mean? This is going to get us all out of the hood. We can all support our families. So it's been, for many years, that's been one of the hardest decisions that I've ever had to make. And uh, I decided to be a missionary and pursue this dream that I had for a long time. So You have such a charismatic energy that I think is quite infectious. Where do you turn to for that? Where does that come from, that strength? Oh, man, you know, it came slowly. But surely, sometimes people look at me and say, look at this guy, man. He's just this nut, always Mr. Positive, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you have no idea what it took me to get to this point. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a thing that just came with a flip of a hat or a switch of a light, you know? And it came through trials, man. It came through darkness. It came through a lot of just like insecurities, wondering who I am, where I'm going, and why isn't things going great for me? Why does everyone else seem to have a great life and I don't? Why do I seem to be like on the fast lane, but I'm the donkey that goes, 
nothing going on. And so I had to fight with that within myself. Just slowly but surely, I had to start learning that I can't get the strength from myself. I got to get it from somewhere else. And I had to start believing in myself more. And that's been one of the things that's really, really helped me. There's times I've noticed, the darkest times is when I've lost faith in myself. That's even before having a faith in a God, you know what I mean? Or something in the spiritual realm. When I've lost faith in myself, then how can I have faith in anything else? How can I even have faith in my spouse or my kids, you know what I mean, if I don't have it in myself? So that's what I had to keep looking for. And anytime I start feeling that darkness and that fear, I have to go back and say, how do you feel about yourself, Alex? And how do you find that? Like when you're in those moments and it's hard and dark and you're in it, you're in the thick of it. Like, yeah. how is it that you pull yourself out and discover that self-love? It's, it's constant. It's on a daily basis. And especially with today and with just so much mental illness and after the COVID, I mean, it was worse before, you know, it's like we need to find somewhere within ourselves to find the sameness. Everything in this world teaches us to be mediocre. This is my own opinion. And even just the TV and the radio and what we're listening to and all that kind of stuff. You know, and I remember I read this book once. I wish I could remember what it was. But the first thing it said, first chapter, first sentence is, who are you listening to? It says, I guarantee you, who you are listening to will decide exactly where you'll end up in your life. Not just one person, who are the people you're listening to? What are the things you listen to? What is the music? What is the, just everything. And I, that, I took that to heart. The people you spend time with, they could be from the hood and they can make you feel better. They can be from a rich area and they can make you feel worse. It doesn't matter. It's just the character of the people that you spend time with because you're going to want to be like them. Thinking about your younger self, like yeah. as you were a teenager, young adult, what advice would you give yourself? Like what kind of tools would you encourage yourself to turn to? Like, do you think that's something that faith has helped you get out of or people around yeah. you? Or how did you pull yourself out of those situations? Don't chase people. Don't let what people say define you. Don't put limits on yourself. We are unrepeatable miracles. Don't look down on yourself. Those are the things that I would have said to myself. It's going to be okay. This too shall pass. But at the time I was going through it, I felt it was going to be forever. We got to change our conversation to soon. It's like the British weather. It's raining, yeah? But soon it's going to go. Everything is temporary. Don't beat yourself up. Believe in yourself. I know all these stuff sounds really, really cheesy, but guess what? It's time to start believing them because the other stuff don't work anymore. When we say to ourselves, we're not as pretty as so-and-so or so-and-so, and that we can't get anywhere, we're not talented, or whatever it is, when we say it, then it becomes true. We are like self-fulfilling prophets. Just like the woman that says, oh yeah, I knew that was going to happen when she tripped over. Self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's time to flip it. If the opposite works, then let's flip it around, man. Tell ourselves we're amazing. Look, um, even if you haven't read about him, you heard about him. His name is Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, what did he say about himself? I am Alpha. I'm Omega. I'm the framer of this work. I'm the beginning. I'm the end. I'm wonderful, marvelous counselor. That's what I call protecting your mental health. He's saying the biggest possible words about himself. And those who are religious, we have that in our DNA. 
Like faith is the thing that pleases God. There's a scripture, right? Hebrews. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But I'm going to write something else. I'm going to say, without faith in ourselves, it's impossible to please God. Like your heart loves it when you believe in yourself. Because we are talking to ourselves and we're giving our faith fuel. We have to fuel our faith every single day. How do you fuel that faith? Is it prayer? Is it meditation? Reading? Like, how do you fuel that faith? For me, it's when I open my phone on my screensaver. I have three things that's changed me, that's blessed me. I just say, God is guiding me. God is leading me. God is with me. That's it. It just gives me comfort. It's just like when you've lost your mum and then she turns up. You haven't seen her for eight years. And all of a sudden, when she comes back, you give her, how can you feel better? That's real. That's what happened to me. I missed that woman for eight years. You moved to Nigeria. She was only supposed to go for three weeks. I didn't see her for eight years. It took me a long time to get over that when she came back. But I remember that first day when she came back, I hugged her. I missed her so much. It's that thing, we, you know, there's things that change us. There's things that we can be familiar with that change us. But the thing that's more permanent is what you say to yourself. When your mother left, you were quite young at this point. Where did you stay? Were you taken in by relatives? Yeah, I was, I was taken in by an uncle and he was abusive, alcoholic, um, all kinds of stuff. We did not get along at all. You joined the church, I think you said at 16. Did that relationship change there at all? Like, uh, Never changed. It actually got worse when I decided that I was going to join the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It was way worse. In fact, I remember when the, the missionaries came to teach me, the sister missionaries, and I was so in- excited. There was a light that I felt when they came in the room, you know what I mean? Because it was dark where I was living, dark, and not just lights, you know what I mean? Not just a lack of electricity, but dark. And when they came in, I just felt good. You just bring this light. Of course, we're reading scriptures and thinking about and talking about good things. So it made sense. But anyway, it just dawned on me. See, dark does not like light, but light can exist in the darkness, but it can't happen the other way around. But it was the good friends that were keeping me sane and the bad ones that were taking me down spiritually. You know, I had to make a decision for myself. I I ran away. I, I, I had to get out of that situation. And where did you go? Like you're you're 16 years old. You probably I don't know if you had a job at that point or not. Like how did nothing. you support yourself and yeah, get free? it was crazy. I was I used to go to nightclubs and I'd dance and I would perform on the streets at Covent Garden. I was a street performer out there, and that's how I learned my trade because this is what I do for a living. But I learned my trade by. I didn't want to be home. I didn't want to be, and I'd come home late even when I was living there. I would just perform on the streets all night, two, three, four o'clock in the morning. It's where I'd make the most money when all the, you know, all the people were coming out the nightclubs and stuff like that. And uh, I got a microphone, I got a sound system and everything with a whole bunch of friends and I would just perform and that's how I'd make my money. Most importantly, I got confidence from performing in front of people and seeing that they loved what I was doing. Because up to that point, there was nothing that I did that I ever got complimented for. Not even so much as a smile. I get it. I get, I get what music does, man. Every musician gets it. Because sometimes in a small way, it's giving you life. It's making you feel good. And people are telling you you're awesome. But it's real. 
So you want to keep doing it. And it affects you in a powerful way for good. I know that's something that I've really missed. Obviously, I'm a Christian as well and, and yeah. you know, go to church every week when we were allowed to. And yeah. I think that's something that I've really missed is being able to just sing every week because I think there's, <sighs> especially when you're collective singing, I think there's right. something so good for your soul, whether you're a singer like yeah. yourself or not so much like yeah. me. But, it just, <laughs> it's so, up, yeah. but it's so good for your soul. Yeah. And yeah. something else that you, you spoke about as well was that you were talking about how prayer sort of helped you focus, give you that confidence you needed. Like, how did it do that? Uh, it's like a two-way phone for me. You know what I mean? When I pray, it's me getting on the phone to God. And the inspiration I get back is God sending me a message back. But we are being spoken to every single day. And we can be in a place sometimes when we can't hear it. I've been in that place so many, many times. And I've been blessed to be in places where I have heard it. And it's not even a point of going somewhere to get it. It's within us. You hear they say the kingdom of God is within you. We are that which we have been given. Everything that we want is within us already. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is Abraham, you know, and Abraham and Lot, they were good buddies, you know. And I remember there was, there's, there's a part in the scriptures where Lot is um, getting ticked. Because Abraham's got a whole bunch of money. He's got cattle. He's got, you know, farmyard and, and, and so has Lot. And now their borders is getting, they can't expand it. It was too much. They couldn't live in the same place. So Lot was like, dude, what's going on, man? He's like, this is, I can't, I got no room. I can't expand. I can't go this way. I can't go this way. And then, you know, Abraham just said, you know what? Then go to this other border. It's, it's, it's free. You can have it. Whatever is that. In fact, no, better. You just look around and you choose what what land you want, and I'll go the opposite. I, you know, I, I don't want to ruin our friendship. So that's what he did. Lot looked around, he saw all this beautiful scenery, water and everything, and, you know, and then rivers. So he's like, I'm going to take that one. Good. So Abraham went the opposite way. And he was kind of down, depressed and everything. And then he got to this point where he was just like, just really depressed. It's like sometimes, you know, you try and do a good thing and sometimes it's not, you know what I mean? It doesn't benefit you. You're like, what's this, man? I thought I was doing something good. And then the Lord said to him, Abraham, look up. Everything that you can see is already yours. Being confident in God's plan that you don't even get upset when things don't go your way. I think that that's what makes people more interesting, have more character, become more appealing because of the stuff that didn't go their way. For me, that's why I love this podcast. I think it's so important to hear each other's stories and find the strength and hope from each other. And yes. and the truth is, we all have incredible stories. We've all gone through. And I, I wanted to ask, like, how have the challenges that you've gone through, how do you feel like they've made your faith stronger and, and you stronger as well? Oh, big time. And you know what's cool? That I think above else, I mean, of course, it's just helped me to, to, to be stronger. And I think just more considerate, a little bit more compassionate, less selfish about myself and maybe understanding people's plight a little bit more. But I think also it just makes me realize that I now have something to talk about. Things now that starting to make sense. I used to dream. I used to daydream. I used to dream I was not there. 
I used to dream that amazing things were going to happen to me. I used to dream that I was a warrior, that I was a winner, that I was like doing incredible things. I'd see all the cool things on TV and instead of comparing myself, you know what I mean? I'd say, I wish. It made me feel good. I'm going to say something. I'm going to get a little spiritual, guys. I'm sorry, right? A little, little scriptural. But there's a scripture right in the Bible, Zerubbabel. He was trying to build a temple. And he couldn't build it. All the people around him were saying, you can't build the temple. You got to stop. So for 10 years, he couldn't build the temple. Finally, a prophet came. He said, go and get a headstone. And he was like, what? It's like, why are you telling me again? Go and get a headstone. So he went to get a headstone. The headstone's the very last stone. The headstone, the final stone that you put on the temple. And so he says, God was trying to tell him to imagine that he had put that last stone, the headstone in, because that was something that was saying, I'm letting you know that I am going to help you finish what you started. See, there's a power that once we have a vision for something, it's like all, everything just goes in to help make that vision come to pass. I've seen people come from the lowest of low places, but they had a vision for their life, a goal, a dream. And it's even more than a goal. A vision is something that is like literally in your head all the time. You can't get it out. And when you think about it, it makes you feel good. That's been a thing with me. It's like, what's the vision for my life? And I had to write it down and it gets exciting and it's crazy. And it has to be so big that your mom and dad will make fun of you and say, dream on. I've decided to make my dreams so ridiculously big. It's that same thing. Cause that even if it, I don't make it, it'll be way bigger than I would have if I would have just had this little itty bitty goal, right? And I've seen over the space of five years, it's been one of the greatest blessings in my life. Being crazy and nutty and writing the biggest dreams down. Because it, it, it just makes me feel good. And it takes me out of my monotony and my doldrums and everything that I'm going through. And sometimes, here's the crazy thing, it actually comes true. My name is Charlie Burridge-Jones and you are listening to Hope Helps. Today we are joined by Alex Boyer. I understand that you have founded a foundation called the Ben Not Break Foundation, which is for youth suicide prevention and, and also mental health awareness. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, this is something that, that came unexpectedly for me. I was doing an album in Burbank, California, and I was working with Randy Jackson, you know, the guy from American Idol. We recorded this whole album, 10 to 13 songs, and I remember I was going back to the hotel. So I was like, let me just do a quick restaurant break, you know. I kid you not, Charlie, I'm in a restroom. I, I hear this voice. It wasn't like one that you could hear, you know. It was like I felt it. It was like, Alex, you're not done yet. And I'm like, well, of course I'm not done yet. That's why I'm still here. No, no, no. Your album. And so I remember just thinking, okay. So I run back outside and I go out there and everybody's going home. The songwriters are going home. The band's going home. It's about 11 o'clock at night. And I'm just like, guys, we got one more song. And they're like, what? I said, please, I'm begging you. We got to do this one more song. And I've never felt so desperate about doing a song in my life. And they said, well, what's the song about? And then I, I went blank. And then I remember I'm saying to them, okay, I want you to imagine you see someone 
and they're about to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge and you are the only one that can save them. You're the only one that can talk them off the ledge. What would you say? That's what I want the song to be about. <laughs> so we all got back together again and we came back. And I remember after I'd said that, one of the guys, he's the engineer, he just burst out crying. I'm like, what? what's going on? I'm like, you okay? He says, today is the one year anniversary of my, my mother taking her life. I was like, what? We were all just like stunned. And he was, he was like, he was like I, I just, I've spent this whole day wondering what I could have done, if I could have done anything to save her, what could I have said, what did I do wrong, am I a bad kid, I'm a bad son, you know, everything running through his mind. And he was like, and now you're talking about writing a song about suicide prevention. I'm like, I'm really sorry, I feel so bad. He said, no, 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 this is what I needed to hear today. So in the next hour, less than an hour, we finished this song. The song was called Bend Not Break. And this song has literally changed my life. Two weeks after we released the song, my manager, because he's just a hustler, man, he sent it to seven different suicide prevention organizations. We got a message from one, American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. They called us up and they said, Alex, we want to use your song. We're sitting in the office right now and we're listening to the song. They were out in New York and they said, can you come out to New York and come and meet us? And I said, yeah, sure. So I'm sitting there, Wall Street, number one, New York, in this high-rise building. I turn up, I'm sitting there, we're all listening to the song. They're all in tears. And I'm like, what is going on with my life right now? If you're a musician, find yourself doing something that's bigger than yourself. If you're a plumber, if you're an artist, doesn't matter what it is, that was it for me. It's like it fell in my lap and my life has changed. My life has never been the same because now I realize that this is so much more about something bigger than myself. And so every concert, every performance I do, I spend 10 to 15 minutes talking about suicide prevention in my concerts because I feel it's so, so important right now. Is there any kind of mentorship or activities that goes along with it? Or is it more like a sort of awareness campaign? Yeah, it's all of it. But I've been trying to study more about the mind, about what people are saying, like what gurus are saying, what the Bible's saying. I don't care what, like where I'm looking everywhere. You know, what Oprah's saying, I'm Dr. Phil, like, you know, everything. And trying to get the best of all those things and putting it into my presentations, you know, and one of the things that has been really, really powerful for me is our self-talk. What we say to ourselves. This is before we open our mouth to talk about other people. I'm telling you, we all have it. We don't realize it. That's why you can have, how many times you always hear, oh, so-and-so just took their life. What? So-and-so? That's the least of the, un un what? That person was so happy all the time, always felt so good, always making people happy. He was the one that everyone went to or she was the one that everyone went to. See, we're great actors, Charlie. That's sometimes what we're telling people outside is different from the negative dialogue that we're telling ourselves in the dark chambers of our mind before we go to bed, when we're on our own, when we're, you know what I mean? But my goal is I want people to stop acting because the more we stop acting, then we open up, right? And then we we let people see our true selves. But here's the thing. There's so much stigma that goes against it. We don't want to talk about that. Imagine if you're saying, okay, hey, can I speak to the boss? I can't come into work because I've got to focus on my mental health. Fired! You wouldn't even dare, right? Why not? That's why we're such great actors. Because it's embarrassing, it can, it can, people will make us look like we're idiots or like we're worse than less than self. We already feel bad as it is. We don't need anybody else to do it, so we keep our mouths shut, right? 
we got to talk. And it's interesting because the more we open up, the the more the stigma changes. Yes. And I think I know here in the UK that there has been a move, not enough, not strong yeah. enough, but towards that recognizing mental yes. health and people yes. needing to take mental health days and those times to feed that and seek the help that's needed. Yeah. Oh, it's just mind blowing. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Anyone don't know what LinkedIn is? It's just, it's like Facebook and Instagram for businesses and for companies and for, so I went on there and I started posting just the stuff I normally post. Every single post is positive. I don't respond to the negative things of the day. I don't say what's up with this guy or that. And the reason why is that I start realizing that is that can affect somebody else. Yes, you can say, well, I'm so glad I needed that. You know what I mean? To know that you're going through a hard time this and that. It's like you could be scrolling, you're going through a tough time. You see one post and it could change your mentality just in that hour, two hours or whatever. And so I want to be that guy because we have to do it ourselves. Nobody's going to feed us positivity. We need to be our own coaches. What do we say? Come on, get back in. This is the second half of the round. Come on. you got two more hours to go before you go to bed. Don't blow it. Come on, right? I know that sounds really weird, but listen, what else is working? Yeah, being our own cheerleader. What other option do we have? (laughs) (laughs) There's this really great quote that I've looked at a lot in the past, and it's this idea of good fruit. And when you've got goodness and this lovely fruit to share, like share it, share it abundantly. And if you have bad fruit, don't put it in that bowl because it will rot everything else. And it, it wasn't that if there's something bad going on or hard that you're dealing with, it's not about not addressing it at all because it's really important that we actually, like you said, we open up and we do talk about and seek the help that we need. But it was about going to the right place. So rather than airing the dirty laundry here in this whatever it is, like that's not the place that's going to get help, but go to this place or go to this good friend or this doctor or whatever it is that we need to and finding the help that we need in the right place and in the right way. And I think there's there's a lot of fakeness that we see online as well. And, and it gives us this idea that, oh, well, they're not going through this, that their life is perfect. And, and it's understanding that, no, we are all real and we all have highs and lows and, and working through that. And then we're comparing our worst to the best of the people on Instagram. That's unrealistic, right? You know what I mean? How many times we airbrush and post and repost and everything? Even me, if I don't airbrush something or whatever it is, right? At least I'm taking that picture 50 times because it don't look right, right? It's like mental. Because you know what? We don't just wake up and end up in a mental illness. It's a process. It's the small and simple things, isn't it? That can either make us feel better or worse. Yes. So the small and simple things that make us feel, that exactly it. So it's that same process that we have to go through. It's just like you're asking a kid that's shooting three throws in a basketball and he's getting it every time. You're like, dude, that was amazing. I wish I could do that. Really? You wish you could do that? You got the time to work on it? You know what I mean? No one complains. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. Right? They go and they do it because they know that that's where the result comes from. We as human beings have to do that with our self-communication. And it's hard. It doesn't happen overnight. That's why I decided that everything that I post, I don't care, you call it cheesy, but I'd rather someone be uplifted by a cheesy quote than someone being brought down by a negative one. It's one thing about posting, but it's another thing in your daily life to be able to keep up that strength and energy. Like, where do you find that hope? I think it's because it's had a track record. Because I've had some amazing experiences with it and it feels good. So it's like, it's not a chore anymore because I just wake up and I'm like, okay, let me do that thing today. Because it's like, we all have goals of things that we're going to do and we keep doing it over and over. It's sometimes the things that maybe we should not say. 
or maybe saying nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's really, it's just like you, you've got a guard. You've got, you, you got something that's guarding your brain. We've got to protect it. We've got to protect our minds now. This ain't a joke anymore. We've got to protect our minds because the devil is raging. And he wants everybody to take us down. And a lot of times, you know, I talk about a spiritual practice. And whether you believe in it or not, a spiritual practice can just be as simple as speaking good to yourself. That's spiritual. Why do you meditate? You meditate because you know it's going to feel good. That's spiritual. So you're saying to yourself, I'm going to do good to myself today. I'm going to treat myself well. Because we ain't, we're sure as heck ain't going to treat anyone else well if we ain't treating ourselves well. Something that you've mentioned, obviously, you've got um, a wonderful family, four, four boys, four girls, I think, yes. from what you said. I've yeah. met a few of them. <laughs> Tell me how that's been to raise them with your lovely wife. They have become my successes. My kids are my success story. And what I mean by that is that, I, one, I didn't think I'd ever have one. One, I couldn't even imagine because I didn't even feel good about myself, let alone being married to someone that actually would actually feel good about me sometimes <laughs> and that I can feel good about her. You know what I mean? That we can both have that ongoing experience. I never even thought that I deserved that, Charlie. So when I look at my kids, I'll tell them, my kids are my success story. I'm not saying it in a way of, oh, just because you got kids, that's why you're successful. You know what I mean? Because tons of people have kids, you know what I mean? But from where I was coming from, those are my success stories. You know, because there's been times when I felt that I've ignored them and I've, I've felt that I've put my music above them, and including my wife, I put my career above them. And it's always led to heartache. But there was a times when I'd be like, you know what? It's okay to miss this one gig. Okay to miss this opportunity. It's okay to, I've turned down that residency in Vegas when it offered me a lot of money. But right now it's just not time for me to do that because I got to focus on my family. It's okay to do that. It hasn't always been that way. And I look back and I just, you know, COVID has been, I know this sounds weird, but COVID has been an, an incredible opportunity for me where I've been able to grow with my kids and see my kids grow. It's been incredible. I would never, ever would have had an opportunity in that way to spend a year day in, day out with my children. There's no other way that, that could have happened. I was always on the road. I was always on the road. So that's been a great blessing for me. I always, my mom always used to say, there is a gift in this struggle. You know, African accent, she's from Nigeria. And I believe that there's always a gift in the struggle. And so it's just trying to find those gifts through the struggle instead of finding the opposite. Because sometimes the struggles can bring you down too. You know what I mean? And it's always looking back and saying, okay, I'm going to look back and I'm going to see the blessing in this. Let me try and find it a little earlier. Because it's always been there. I always look back. You name me one struggle and I'll tell you something good that's come out of it. Even the ones that I did to myself, <laughs> that I thought, you're such an idiot. Why would you do that? Because I'm not perfect. That's why, you know, and I'm still doing it. I'm still falling and still doing dumb stuff and all that kind of stuff. Because if I was that, then why would my wife have married me? Because I'm not perfect and she ain't finding that in me. 
It's loving each other in those imperfections, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, if you're looking for perfection, keep on moving. <laughs> but what you are going to get is someone that loves life. You, What you are going to get from me is somebody that loves his kids and that will do his best, even through his mistakes and the times that he's fallen, to do right by them. One of the things I love, and it still doesn't get old, Charlie, is when kid comes and just calls me dad. Because I never had that. I don't know what that feels like. I can't remember. To go into a house and say, dad, and that person answers. And I remember always making a goal, like one day, I want to have that. I want to come home. I don't want to be a deadbeat dad. I want to have my kid who struggled for a hard time or came home or he gashed his knee when he came home, you know, he fell off his bike. He runs home and he says, Dad. I'll be like, yes, son. That's what I wished I had. Something as simple as that has become gold for me. And I know there's many people out there that have that same feeling. Nobody asks for a perfect mum or a perfect dad. They just want a mum. They just want a dad. And that's why I feel a little better about myself through my weaknesses. Just the fact that here's one thing I'm perfect at to this point. I'm always there. I've always been there. And I think that's everything, isn't it? Being there. Alex, thank you so much for joining today. Some of the things that I've I've taken away, the this idea of the gift and the struggle, which I'm sure when you're in it, when you're in the struggle, it doesn't feel like a gift at all. <laughs> and you'd prefer that gift not to be given to you and given to, you know, just chucked over there. This too shall pass. Even if it's a kidney stone, it'll still pass, right? That's a great analogy. <laughs> but it will always pass. Well, and also this idea that you said of looking up, just remembering to look up. And that can change everything and help give us that perspective and that space sometimes that we need as well. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining us today. It's been a real privilege to have you on Hope Helps. Oh, thank you, Charlie. Say hi to the hubby and family. <laughs> well, do. Love you guys. <laughs> I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of Hope Helps. If you have any thoughts about today's programme, please send them to hopehelps.uk at churchofjesuschrist.org. That's hopehelps.uk at churchofjesuschrist.org. I'd also encourage you to subscribe to our channel on your favourite podcast platforms and to like us on Facebook. I hope that today's message has given you hope and peace and that you just remember to just look up in those times when it's feeling hard. Until next time, I wish you the very best. Mm -hmm.